Paul shared this song with us a couple of weeks ago. It hit right where I needed it. I needed to know, is the truth still true today? Um, whatever I'm feeling, um, if it doesn't match up, God, is the truth still true today? Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, good morning, Fellowship High Crest. My name is Jill Rice. I am the director of ministries here at our church, and I am so excited that you've joined us today um, to worship together. Um, there's going to be a question on the screen here in a minute, and I'm going to invite you uh, to go ahead and use your Poll Everywhere links and answer that. Jump in there. Um, we're asking, how many different emotions do you experience in a day? Five or less? Six to ten? Ten or more? Um, no right answers here. Just curious to see where you guys are landing, and um, they'll put the kind of where it lands up there on the screen here in a moment. When I was in college, uh, I was an RA, a resident assistant, uh, my sophomore through senior year in college, and then my, my very first year as an RA, I was assigned to the freshman girls' dorm. Um, in all of my wisdom as a sophomore, I was to guide, enforce rules, and help these girls navigate their very first year away from home and in college. I was woefully unqualified and unprepared <laughs> for that assignment. Um, but as we were getting through the year, the girls were getting to know each other. They were beginning to form what would become lifelong friendships for them. Um, it's been a joy for me to watch them over the years continue to do life together. And while things were going pretty well, towards the end of the first semester, around this time of year, um, I was working the front desk on a Sunday morning, and the phone rang, and there was this person on the other end that was frantically trying to find one of my girls. And after asking some questions and talking to some other people, what we found out is that she had actually passed away in a car wreck the night before. Um, she'd gone out of town and was hit by a drunk driver. And I'm sitting at the front desk on a Sunday morning where no one else is around. Um, and I go into this crisis mode of like, okay, I know I need to call these people. Um, I've got to pull my hallway in from wherever they've been on the weekend so we can share this news with them. We've got to arrange counseling and opportunities for them to just start processing the loss of their friend. And in this first day or so, I was calm and I was collected. Uh, it's what I do in a crisis. Um, but eventually, my two best friends, they made me get in the car and drive out of town for a few hours. And they said, Jill, you don't have to be all right right now. You can cry, you can be upset, you can be angry and hurt. I didn't know how to feel those feelings at that moment. You see, feelings haven't always been safe for me. Uh, they were dirty things that needed to be shut up and locked away, and I told myself over and over again that if I, that I wasn't okay if my emotions were just out on the loose. <laughs> it felt unsafe. And I had gotten so good at this that it took me several weeks to really even become to a place where I could start to cry over the loss of a friend, of a fellow student. So sometimes our emotions feel like that, like we gotta shut them up and we gotta put them away and we've gotta have them under control. 
And then sometimes our emotions do just the opposite though, right? Sometimes it's like they're taking control of us. They make all the decisions for us. We're crying and yelling. We're overwhelmed. We're frozen. And maybe we were saying and doing things that we would never do if our upstairs brain was in control, right? Like it's supposed to be. Our emotions, whether they're big or they're small or they're hidden, they usually play a role in our faith deconstruction. When we start asking questions about who God is and can I trust him? Is the church a safe place for me? And how does that reconcile with what I know about God? When we start asking those questions, our emotions play a role in them. I know that many of the young women that were on that hallway that year, they started that process of asking questions about their faith and if God was trustworthy and cared for them over the weeks and months after they were processing the loss of their friend. The emotions of their grief shaped the questions that they were asking of God. So today, we're going to examine how God has created us to be emotional beings. We're shaped that way. And how tending our feelings can help us connect and engage with God in an even deeper way. We're also going to explore what happens when we don't take care of our emotions. So where does your emotional engine run? When I had a motorcycle, um, I had to adjust the idle on the engine. Um, And my, my motorcycle was born the same year I was. And I just sold it like last year, so <laughs> it was old. Um, and you had to find that Goldilocks place for the idle. If the engine idled too low, the, it would sputter out and it would die. But if it idled too high, it would get hot and it would overheat and you'd be stuck on the side of the road. So you neither wanted to run too low or too high. And our emotions can be the same way. See, sometimes when we stuff our emotions concerning God, we miss entirely what he's trying to do in our lives and in the lives of those around us, and our faith can start to sputter and die out. I see this in Jonah's story in the Old Testament. Um, It's a really good example of what happens when we start hiding our emotions. You see, God had called Jonah to leave his home and go to the Ninevites and tell them to repent from the sin that they were doing, and to return to God. And Jonah ignores God, and he chooses to run away instead. We learn later that Jonah was running away because he was concerned that the Ninevites would actually listen to his message from God, that they would repent from their sins and return to God. See, Jonah was harboring some deep hatred towards the Ninevites because of the way they had treated Israel. See, the Ninevites needed to repent. They had done some seriously horrible and atrocious things, and they needed God's grace. But Jonah doesn't want to reconcile his hatred with God's character, so he runs away. He ignores the storm and the ship. He ignores the guys in the boat that are asking him what's going on, and he's even willing to rather drown himself than address the emotion he has that's preventing him from following God. Jonah knows that God is ready and he is able to forgive. He knows God's character, but he can't reconcile God's grace with his own feelings. This gives Jonah so much grief that even after he obeys God 
And he goes and tells the Ninevites to repent, and he sees them repent, that Jonah decides to sulk in resentment about it. He's unable to celebrate the joy and peace of God's grace towards the, towards the Ninevites. He goes on to say he would rather die than see them repent and live under God's grace. See, we do this in our own lives. I experienced this recently. Someone had said some really awful and hurtful things to me um, that I didn't earn and I didn't deserve. And I was mad and I was hurt about it. But I also knew that I probably wouldn't see this person very much in the future. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to forget about it. But a few days later, this person reached out to me in a message to apologize to me and specifically asked for my forgiveness. And my mind knew that I needed to accept that apology and to forgive this person. But let me tell you, my feelings wanted me to say a few things. (laughs) My feelings wanted me to tell this person exactly what they needed to hear or what I thought they needed to hear. Anyway, I was presented with Jonah's choice. Was I going to respond with my feelings or was I going to respond with grace the way that God wanted me to react? To do this, I had to stop ignoring how I felt. I had to name it, I had to feel it, and I had to refuse to stay in it. See, I forgave the person and I communicated that to them, but I also know that my feelings aren't always going to align with the actions that God asked me to do. Sometimes I have to do the action and let my emotions catch up with it. See, forgiveness is more than just a feeling. If I would have waited until I felt like forgiving, I probably never would have forgave. I don't feel like it. But it also involves what we know and believe and how we act. So the opposite of stuffing our emotions would be letting our emotional engines just run wide open. This means that our emotions start to drive us. They become the thing that we trust above all else. And instead of letting our emotions guide our decisions and inform our decisions, emotions make the decisions. We see this happen in King Saul's story. In 1 Samuel 13, King Saul prepares the battle against the Philistine army. And the odds are already against the Israelites. Um, King Saul sees that uh, the other army has far more troops to them, and his troops are starting to leave one by one. He knows that he's supposed to wait to engage the enemy until a sacrifice to God is made. He also knows that Samuel the prophet is the one that's supposed to make the sacrifice. But Saul is watching his people slip away and the situation get worse. And the fear of losing to the Philistine army grips Saul and he decides that he's going to give the sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel to arrive. Saul lets his big emotions override what he knows to be true about God's power to save and his instructions to wait. His emotions begin to make the decisions for him. And we see this happen over and over again in Saul's life from here on out. Ultimately, letting his emotions be in charge and rule him cost Saul his life 
and the promise of his family sitting on the throne. You see, when Saul was led by his emotions, he found it difficult to connect with God who had created him and anointed him to be king. So to recap, we can act like Jonah and try to hide from our emotions, and it can leave us in, uh, with a picture of God that we think he doesn't see us, that he doesn't care for us. Well, that's simply not true. Or when we let our emotions take control, they can start to, start to tell us untrue stories about who God is. We can convince ourselves that God is full of hate because we're hurt. He doesn't care about me anymore. Maybe he never did. We can convince ourselves that God will never care for us because a fear of the future. Man, God, I just, I don't see how that situation's gonna work out. It couldn't possibly get any better. There's no hope. God, you don't care about me anymore. So how can we have right feelings? How do we manage our emotions to a helpful place in our faith? You see, our feelings must be grounded in what we know and believe about God and how we live out God's plan. Our experience as God followers are made up of three parts. The first one is right beliefs or orthodoxy. This is what we think and know about God. The next one is right practices. This is orthopraxy. This is what we know, um, this is how we live out our beliefs about who God is and what he's done for us. And the last one is right feelings or orthopathy. It's what we feel about God and our faith. Another way to put this is faith is made up of our head, what we think, our hands, how we live that out, and our hearts, how we feel about it. If I were to ask each of you which one of these is the most important to your faith, I would get a spread of answers. Similar to our question in the beginning of the sermon, we tend to rely on one of these more than the other, depending on how God has shaped us and made us. We have thinkers, we have doers, and we have feelers. You're sitting here thinking about, I know which one I am. Maybe I know which one the person next to me is too. For some of us, we came to the faith through these things. Maybe you thought deeply and wrestled with what you know about God to be true, and that's what brought you to faith in him. Some of us were attracted to God by um, activism or seeing people of faith doing and loving in their community. Many of you have told me over time that what you love about Fellowship Highcrest is how active we are in the community how we live out our faith. And for others of us, we're drawn to God because of an emotional experience. Um, It could have even been in a worship service. You come because you're like, I want to feel connected to God. I felt God move in the service today. And none of these are right or wrong places to start in our faith. And a healthy faith that will stand time and our questions, and our doubts, and our uncertainties, it needs all three. Part of following and worshiping God involves emotional experiences. So much of our time and our day is spent feeling something. Some studies show that we are feeling something 90% of the time. We're emotional beings. We are created in God's image to feel 
We must be able to connect with God and worship God with our emotions. But we cannot stop there. If we follow only our emotions, we're going to find ourselves deconstructing our way out of faith. Because how I feel at any given moment isn't perfectly idled in that Goldilocks place. It's, it's going from end to end, right? If I decided to quit my job every time I was frustrated or hurt or sad or confused or just didn't like it, I'd spend most of my time unemployed. I, that's the truth. There are things that my emotions tell me and I have to say, you know what? I can't trust that right now. I know what God is calling me to While Saul gives us an example of someone living by feelings alone, David, in contrast, gives us an example and a picture of someone that's striving to live in balance of right feelings, grounded in right beliefs, and lived out in right practices. David wrote many of the Psalms that we have in our scriptures today, and a few of them were also written by him when he's on the run from King Saul. See, Saul knew that God had anointed David to be king after him. And Saul's jealousy of David's success and future title pushed him to a point to pursue David to try and kill him. See, David had lost everything for a while. His family had to leave their homeland. David was on the run, living in caves and mountains. And for a time, he had to act insane just to keep his life. It was safer for him to live in enemy territory than close to home where Saul could find him. At one point, though, while David's on the run, he has this opportunity where he can kill Saul and end all the pain and the troubles. And David wrestles with this decision. Uh, The pain and the grief and the promise of being king one day sounded easy to him. It sounded like a good reason to take matters into his own hands. And he's struggling with that. Let's look at David's response. It says this, then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say, I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. I have a piece of a hem of your robe. I cut it off and I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you even though you've been hunting me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing the one who is worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. See, David remembered God's word and his character. God's way is not to return evil for evil. God commanded David to trust him to deliver and make him king. David was instructed not to take things into his own hands to make himself king. David balanced his emotions between right beliefs in God and right actions commanded by God. 
When my friend hurt my feelings and they wanted forgiveness, I knew I couldn't trust my emotions in that moment. I needed to ground myself first in the truth that God forgave me when I needed it. It cost him his son. I imagine that God grieved in that moment of losing Jesus at the cost of his life. If God extended that same thing to me, I should act and do the same thing for my friend. I needed God to align my feelings with the truth and action. Sometimes this takes time. We see Jesus doing the same throughout his ministry, all the way up to the cross. He knows God has a path of forgiveness laid out that will require torture, abandonment, and immense pain on his part. Jesus agonizes over this path to the point that when he's in the garden, he is crying tears of blood. His emotions yearned for another option. They earned for, yearned for a way, um, any other way. But Jesus didn't push those feelings aside. He didn't say, I can't feel that right now. I gotta stay focused. He didn't do that. He also didn't let them take the wheel either. Jesus brought them to his father. He asked God, help align my feelings with the right beliefs and right actions you have for me. His father met him there in that moment. Where do you need God to meet you today? Have you pushed your feelings down and you've locked them away? Is it making you, it difficult for you to connect with God? Maybe the season feels like a dry, desert place. You're just not sure if God's there or not. Or do your emotions feel like they're a rushing waterfall, that the sound is so loud right now that it's drowning out the voice of God in your life? In a moment, the worship team is going to start singing, and I want you to allow God to guide your response during this time. Ask him to reveal to you the things that you've tried to hide away, the emotions that you're not wanting to feel. Ask him to identify the emotions that are maybe controlling you right now, that are guiding your actions, that have you feeling reckless and out of control. Ask him to align your feelings with what you know to be true about God and what he's calling you to do to live out your faith in him. Some of you in the room today, um, maybe you've been learning about God. Maybe you've been serving God. Um, you've sought out you know, that emotional, spiritual experience with God, but you haven't given your whole life over to him. If you're looking for an encounter with God, you're probably gonna find it. But if you're just wanting an encounter, it's not gonna last. What God asks from us and invites us into is a lifelong relationship with him. We call this stepping over the line of faith. It's acknowledging to God that, God, I have brokenness in my life, I've tried to do things on my own, and it's left me separated from you. God, I need your grace and forgiveness that you offer through your son, Jesus. It means that you're asking God to look on Jesus and accept his sacrifice in your place to restore you to his family. 
if you want to do this, if you want to take this step of stepping over the line of faith and make this decision today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me in a moment. And it's no special words, no special order. And we also want to know about it. We want to know if you make this decision because we want to be able to walk alongside you as you take your next steps of faith. You can do that by texting CONNECT to 785-432-4544 or you can meet us at the connections table in the back after service. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and we are full of thanksgiving in our hearts. God, you have given everything that we need. You sacrificed your very son just to restore us back, to give us a place in your family, to have relationship with you, to heal our brokenness. God, we bring to you our emotional lives. You created us in your image to have emotions, Father. We ask that you would align those with what we know about you and how you're calling us to live out our faith. Father, seek out in our hearts the things that we are hiding and that we don't want to address. God, give us wisdom and perseverance to control the things that feel out of control. God, give us your spirit to guide us in our lives today. God, we love you. In your name I pray, amen.